0: I want to tell you that we're continuing in a series here, and the series is becoming, and it's really about becoming, this disciple that God calls us to be. For several weeks, I've asked you this question, I've invited you into the process, and that is, will you join us on this great adventure, this great adventure of becoming this disciple that God calls us to be, this great adventure that God has for us? You know, I've talked to several people, and this term, great adventure, I told you last week, I said, you know what? You know, all the years in the military, and that was, you know, jumping out of airplanes and doing crazy things. You go, boy, what a great adventure, people would say. And I tell you what, when you're walking and trying to do your best to walk hand in hand and step with Jesus Christ for all he has for you, you will never know a greater adventure than that. And the the thing about that is, is you're going to bring a lot of other people with you on that great adventure. Trust me on that one. So as we continue with this as your pastor, I'm just asking you very simply, will you join us on this great adventure? Over the weeks, I've told you there are several things that we believe about God's Word that is so critical. One, it's got to be teachable. It's got to be reachable. It's got to be applicable, and we're going to talk about that today. It has to apply to our lives, doesn't it, right? And it's got to be reproducible in the lives of others. And you know, it's interesting that, you know, just in reviewing and reading the Bible this week on so many different things, I think I've got about two and a half hours right now just kind of stored up. And I was praying this morning and saying, God, it's not what I'm going to say. It's what I, I don't, it's not what I'm not supposed to say, you know, just kind of zero in on this thing. But I, I am excited about where we're heading today with this and what God's doing with this. But I want to really reemphasize again. What we want for Summit Church is we want to be instrumental in creating for you a safe place to belong before you feel like I've got to believe everything there, all those doctrinal issues. And it's very good because we all have doctrinal issues. We all have them. And God is reshaping some of that. He's got us on a journey. So this idea of being in a safe place where you get to belong before you have to believe. The other part of this is is the fact that we want it to be a safe place for you wherever you're at on your journey. Every single one of us are on a journey. Every single one of us are on a journey. God's got us at a different place relationally and experientially and the things that He's doing emotionally and spiritually. We're all on a different place. But you know what? One of the things that we have to do to be the church that God's called us to be, you know, sometimes we hear some we want to, we're trying to figure out what kind of a church we want to be. And at some church, that's not the issue. You can ask our elders, you can ask the staff. We're wanting to figure out and be the church that God wants us to be, not the church we want it to be. You know, because frankly, let's remember, if it was going to be the church we all wanted to be, everything would be okay with God, wouldn't it? You know, whatever I'm doing, God loves me. It's wonderful. And if I make a mistake, God just forgives me. And I don't have to pay any attention to this thing called sin. You know what I'm saying? But the fact of the matter is, is that we want to be the church that God wants us to be. And we want to be a safe place for you, where you're at on your journey in this process. And the other part of this is, and this goes back to the Growth Trek 3 that we've got, but it's an ongoing process, and that is we want to be a place where God can use this church through the power of the Holy Spirit to bring you into that kind of a relationship where you can identify your giftings, your calling, your passion, where God has you for the kingdom work, and that's so important in the process. But let me just tell you as your pastor, I want to encourage you to take responsibility for your faith. I I can do everything that I can do. I'm going to work very hard. We're going to prepare well. We've got an amazing dream team and our staff and so forth. But understand this, none of that really matters if you don't enter into the house and say, you know what? This is my house. I'm responsible for my faith here. I want to do the things that I need to do to grow, and we want to be the church that helps you do that. Now, whether you're here and you call this home or you're visiting with us, the fact of the matter is, that's what God's called this followers, this ecclesia, to be a part of is this follower of Jesus Christ that we can grow, be used in the kingdom because that's what he tells us to do. You know, we have a definition, and we're going to continue for this as a disciple here at Summit Church. A disciple is a fully devoted Spiritually maturing, and you get that word maturing, it's an ongoing verb. It doesn't stop. It's not a destination. It's a journey that we're on. God's not done with us till he calls us home. Even in this past week, so many different great stories on this and that. But a spiritually maturing, reproducing follower of Christ. Those are the elements that we're working on to understand how God defines those for us, not how we want to define those for God right? And you find that happens a lot with Christians. Let's forget about the non-Christians. Let's just work on this. You know, we have this tendency sometimes to define things to God on how we want it. But you know, the, the good part is, is if we just study His Word and we're in right relationship, God tells us how He defines it. And believe me, between our definition and God's definition, the one that matters is God's. Because we know this, it's unchanging. It's the same today as it was yesterday, will be tomorrow, and we got to get this right, don't, don't we? And that's what God's telling us on this. You know, when I look at this spiritually maturing and this, this journey that we're on, just a quick story. I have a good friend, he's down in Arkansas right now, but he's meeting with a pastor. And this, this pastor is in that group that we call the Encore Generation. Now, let me just explain that, because you're going to hear those terms again. A lot of people use the the over-the-hill gang, under-the-hill gang, around-the-hill gang. I don't know what all of those mean. I'm 75 years old, and I'm standing here. And I think God's still trying to use me in some areas, right? But the idea, and then it's the, you know, all of the other names, senior citizens. So we call them the encore generation, and here's why. I got to see Andre Bocelli, and this was one concert, but he had three encores. And here's the thing about an encore. The great performers are ready for it. doesn't catch them by surprise. The second part of it is they know exactly what they're going to do because they know their giftedness. They know how they've been trained. They know what God's equipped them for. They know what their sweet spot is on this. You know what I'm saying? Right? And they also know this, that when people leave that concert, that's what they're going to be remembered for. So as I stand here in front of you, and you know, and I say, you know, people say, Chuck, how old are you? And I said, well, you know, I'm pretty open about that. And they said, so are you retired? I laughed at a guy a couple of weeks ago. He said, so, Chuck, are you retired? I said, really? Do you look at my schedule, right? I mean, even last fall between coaching on a football team, no, I don't know anything about football. I'm a Nebraska fan. We don't know football in Nebraska anymore. Now, a lot of you get that because you're really excited about prime time, aren't you? Okay, might as well just tell the truth, shame the devil, and let's move on with this thing. But the reality of it is between that and I got to be here at Summit Church and we have a Christian ministry, a little publishing. The guy said, well, so Chuck, are you retired? I said, are you out of your mind? You know, there's there's an actual line in Cool Runnings. I know some of you are too Christian to have seen that. But where he looks at him and he says, whatever's wrong with you, man, is no small thing lot of people out there. Whatever's wrong with them isn't a small thing. It's a big thing. But this idea that this encore generation, God has trained us. So now I'm bringing this back because this gentleman, he technically by the world standard retired. And he gets up every morning and says, God, use me as you will. He's 70 years old, a little older. I gave him benefit of the doubt. He's smuggling Bibles into countries where they're not allowed He's got all of this stuff, and every morning he wakes up and says, God, use me. Whatever your will, make it my will, and just do with me whatever you want to do. And I'm going, what is this guy going to be remembered for? Right? I'll guarantee you, it's his encore. All of that other stuff that he did at the front end of that, oh, it's good. It positioned him, it trained him, it prepared him. But cease, we're in our encore. This is what we're going to be remembered for, It's how well we serve the Lord with what He's done in our lives, leading us to this point. So our big idea today, we're still in the series Becoming, but our big idea is on spiritual application. God desires each of us to apply our faith where we live, work, and play on all the days that end in Y. If you've been here before, you've heard me say that. The other days, Satan can have. But if that day ends in Y, I want to claim that for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to live that out. I want to apply our faith where we live, work, and play. And a lot of times, listen, where we run into our problems is when we compartmentalize that. And we go, well, my Sunday was really good, but that doesn't really apply over here to Monday. And it sure doesn't apply to Friday night oh yeah, it really does. God wants the same faith that we're trying to experience here together on Sunday morning to be the same faith we have on Friday night, Saturday night, and wherever God plants our little feet in that time frame. And that's what God wants to do with us there. So when we look at spiritual application, it's not complicated. It's simply putting into practice what we already know to be true. Putting into practice what we already know to be true. Now, I'm going to caution you on this here because... Just because we claim Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we say we're Christians in here. Now, this wouldn't affect anybody in here, just some other people I know. But you'd be amazed how many people are Christians, and what they claim to be true is not consistent with God's Word. It's not. They bought into the lies of the world and the culture of the world, and I told you last week, Many times we have far more culture coming into the church, and we got church and Jesus Christ going into the culture. And God wants to change that. And I believe we're in a great season to do that. But it's got to start with us, doesn't it? And it starts with what we claim to be true on that. That's what spiritual application is. And we all have that, don't we? Oh, we have that in every area of our life. There are those things that we say, this is true for me. I have a truth in my life. God loves me. I have a truth in my life. i got a wife. Why in the world that woman still loves me, I don't know. But God bless her. She's home, still recovering. She's doing fine. But you know what? I know that to be true. I, uh, you know, standard medical procedures, and it was very minor, but they ask you a question. Particularly, what is it? You know, they look at this and they see my birth date. You know what the first question that they ask is? It's not what meds you're on or anything like that. You know what they ask me first is, have you had any falls lately? can I get a witness? First question they asked me is, have you had any falls lately? So I have a standard yeah answer. I said, yes. And then of course, you know, because they're expecting to check the no, and they take the pen off the paper, and they said, seriously, when did you fall last? I said, this morning. And they just kind of look at me, and I'm still there, you know, getting ready for this. And they said... Can you tell me about it?" I says, yeah, this morning I took my wife a butter coffee with a little cream and a Velveeta, and she got propped up, I handed her her iPad, I covered her up, and that's her reading times, and I fell in love with her all over again. And they says, how many times do you fall? I said, I fall at least every morning and every night because I get to hold her hand and pray with her, and I fall in love with that woman again. I get to fall in love with her every morning when I get to take her coffee. I left really early this morning. She wasn't ready for her coffee. Baby, I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay. But it's this idea that that's a truth that I have in my life that guides me. And one of the problems that we have is is when we don't establish what is actually true, and we buy into the lies of the world, of who Jesus is, who God is, that the Bible is real and everything in here is exactly what God said, and that's what we have as a truth to come back to on that. So when we look at this, and look at God's Scripture on this, In in Colossians, God tells us this, whatever you do, work heartily. I love that. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. But that's a great one. Now, when we focus on a word, you know, I do this with us quite a bit on this because I get hung up on one word in a scripture. I know a lot of you read the whole thing and you understand it. You look, I'm kind of a one word guy at times. I'm going to start with this one, whatever. Now, let's make sure we're saying that properly. It's not the response that you give somebody when you're discarding them, their ideas and who they are. It's not like, yeah, whatever. That's not what God's saying to us. You know, with this word, well, like many others, there are different definitions, isn't it? So when we use the word and we see what God means, whatever you do, that means all, everything, That's got it. Every breath you take, every word you speak, every step, you all of that is whatever. That's where God's going to have you tomorrow morning. That's where God's going to have you tomorrow afternoon. That's where God's going to have you Friday night, whatever. is Friday night, it's Saturday night, it's every day of the week that ends in Y. See, when he says this, whatever you're doing on those days, God's saying, remember, we're in this together. You know, when I our worship team does a huddle here, and I just I love every one of them. Then we get to do it with the dream team out there. And this idea of whatever we do, God is right there with us. And whatever we do, can I tell you the least important day of the week, in a sense, for whatever you do is Sunday morning, because we can look really good here, can't we? I mean, really, can't we look good here with one another? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. Right? I had to stop one of the ladies, Marie. I asked her how she was doing, and she says, I'm okay. And I says, you know, Marie, that's the fourth time I've heard it from a lady today, starting with my wife, who's still in bed with her leg propped up. Okay, tell me what that means. You know what I'm saying? But this idea that we're in relationship together, but here's the idea. God is saying, go from here. You know, we we gather to here to equip and train, to empower, but we're supposed to leave here representing Him, whatever God has us doing. But He says, whatever that is, let's do this for the glory of God. Let's make a difference there. In all the things that we say and do, in 1 Corinthians 10.31, it says, look, so whether you eat, drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God, whatever you're going to do. You know, it's kind of interesting, too, that you look at that and we say, well, you know, we have the Last Supper and, you know, the bread and the wine or the juice and that. You know, that was really kind of... Jesus' way of taking the most common items of the time, because at every meal they had bread and they had wine. That was the most common thing they had. And He took the simplest of things, and He says, look, just remember this. It's not do this in remembrance and make it a memorial. Sometimes we miss that point. It's about whenever you do this. And I kind of feel like what God is saying to us, whenever you do this, right? do this and remember the sacrifice. In this case, He was telling His disciples, He's saying, this is what's going to happen. This is my broken body for you. This is the blood that'll be shed for you. This is what I'm doing for you. And what He's saying is, whenever you do this, whenever you eat this bread, whenever you have a glass of wine, it's really about what it says in the Scripture right here, isn't it? Whether you eat, drink, take a breath, let's remember what God has done. And you know, the how is as important as the why and the what at times, isn't it? I think the why, we're all here together today together. I think it's easier to talk about the why here because we all gathered for the why, didn't we? There was a why that brought us here. Why am I here today? Well, you know what? If I wasn't speaking here, I'd still be in church. The why for me is pretty important because I need the fellowship. I need you. I need, we need each other. The why. Because why in fellowship, in relationship, it's supposed to replicate the relationship that God's calling us into with Jesus Christ. That's why we gather here. That's why we're here together. The why is very important on that. But you know, when I look at this, how often you say, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I just don't know how to do it. Anybody? I don't need hands. Anybody struggle with that? I know what I'm supposed to do, but I just really struggle with how to do that. Or let me just rephrase it to this way. Don't raise hands. Mine will be high enough for everybody because it's going to fall back to the scripture that the apostle Paul gave us, right? But how many of you do things that you don't want to do? Don't raise hands. I'll just raise mine. But you do things that at the end of it, you go, that's not what I wanted to do. I don't know about you, but um, it's been said for me that I, I process verbally. I had a guy say once, you know, there's no on-deck circle. If you're baseball, you'll understand this. There's no on-deck circle for Chuck's comments or thoughts. It's just batter up, out they come. And then as they flow out, then all of a sudden they go, yeah, not exactly what I wanted to say. Not exactly what I was actually thinking should be said, and yet I did this. What does the Apostle what Paul say to this in Romans 7, 15? He says, for I do not understand my own actions. Here I am. I do not understand my own actions. I mean, the guy you see up here on Sunday, I want it to be the same guy that you see on Monday and Tuesday, but sometimes I'm not, saints. Sometimes I'm struggling with that. And every now and then I get this, I get this reminder that not only is God watching, but so are other people. Billy and I left here last Sunday, and we had a couple join us here from Passion Life Church and very dear and close friends, had lunch. On the way home, Billy and I have seen, if you haven't seen the Jesus Revolution, I grew up in that era. Actually, I was pretty old even by then, but I let that go. Bottom line is, uh, we've got a, a good friend, a great brother in the Lord. I got about 28 years with him. Last Sunday, actually last Saturday, a week ago yesterday, was the one-month anniversary that his wife took her last breath on earth and took her first breath in heaven. And I talked to Billy and I said, baby, would you like to, we've seen the movie. I said, but go that." And she says, you know what? Why don't you just go with him? Make it a guys on this thing. So I said, great. Sitting at the movie and as we're sitting, I love those red recliners that relax. Can I get a witness on that one? I'm telling you, because a lot of you, you don't remember growing up where the chairs in the movie theaters they were not comfortable at all, and they charge you so much to sit in those things. Never figured that out, and I paid it. But in any event, two ladies went by. It looked like a grandmother and her granddaughter and that, and we just let them sit next to us. And, that, and afterwards, the one lady said something, I think she said, and I, you know, there are certain movies, you finish the thing, you just get up and leave, right? Yeah, it was a great movie. But there are certain movies in my life, and this was one of those. I just sat there, and the music was still playing, the credits were still rolling, And I'm just kind of soaking this thing in. And the lady said, so have you seen this before? And we were kind of the last four in the theater. And I said, yeah. I said, uh, I saw it about a month ago with my wife. And she goes, do you go to Passionate Life Church? I said, well, it's been about eight months. And she goes, oh, no, I've heard you preach several times. I said, doggone it. You know, I can't just slip into some place. But fortunately, I hadn't said anything stupid by that point. You know what I'm saying? But at least she was nice enough to tell me up front before I said something stupid. Fully capable. You know what I mean? But it just I walked out of there again, and Truman Abbott, and sometimes he's watching us online here, and just a great brother. But we walked out there again, and in the car we got in and says, You know, that was just a great reminder from God just to say it doesn't matter. Whatever you're doing, wherever you're at, there are eyes watching us to see if these Christians are actually different than anything else in the culture that they know. And very often, they don't know you're a Christian. All of a sudden, they find out, and they go, I knew there was something different there about you, and I didn't know what it was. And I want to encourage all of you. That's why God has us out here for this and so much of it. But it's this idea that we're becoming, and it's a journey, not a destination, right? If you missed last week's 11 o'clock and if you're here at nine o'clock, you probably didn't go to eleven. You know, one of the one of the great things in terms of the becoming, our baptism, um, yeah, swimming pool, okay. And we had two baptisms last week at the eleven o'clock service. I had the privilege of climbing in the, climbing in the the baptism, tub there. And uh, the first one was young Chloe, and I'll tell you what, that little girl is so much in love with Jesus. I. Uh, I'll tell a story on her her and her dad. I don't know if he knows, I know this, but it's good. Uh this precious daughter of hers looked at him and said, You're the second best dad in the world. He paused for a minute and he looked at her and she says, Yeah, God is the best father in the world. And if that little girl doesn't represent everything that we believe, and she's got it, and it was amazing. Carrie, her mom, was in the tub and and Matt was here and her older sister had come down from college to be here and then aunts and uncles had come back just to be here and witness all of this and i was reminded again of this journey that we're on for some of us start a little later in life doesn't it you know i was i was a major in the army and my wife and i were baptized again with the protestant women of the chapel i didn't go to the protestant women of the chapel meetings but my wife and i got baptized with them in the there at the same time, and our sons were there and, you know, and so forth. But it was just such a great experience and understanding what a generational God we serve, that He's not just this time and this moment, but it's about the generations. And you know, my scriptures that, you know, even generations, you have to be born. And then came the second baptism, and Meg is engaged to Josh, they'll be getting married next year. They came to church, and they had been watching online for several weeks. I guess I call it spiritual stalking to see if this was even a church they wanted to come to. And so bottom line is, here's Meg, gets baptized, and I ask her, why do you want to be baptized? She says, I need a fresh start. Now her age different is significantly different than Chloe's. Now you remember what I'm saying. We're all in a different place, isn't it? And we should never, ever look down on someone else because their journey is different than ours or different than what we think the perfect journey is supposed to look like I was so blessed there and her fiance Josh he and I share the same birthday I looked over and I'd offered him to get in the tub and he said no thanks but I said grab her hand as we baptize her grab her hand as we baptize her but let me tell you what was here Josh has two sons young boys They were here his parents her parents his sister and brother-in-law his grandparents four generations right across the front here god is a generational god but god honors you in your journey no matter where you're at but i want to tell you something we got to take responsibility for it don't we I was so excited with young Chloe saying, I want to be baptized. I was so excited for Meg at a totally different place in her life. I want to be baptized. (coughs) You know, statistically, there are some of you sitting here. I know you're already signed up. Hang in there. Couldn't make it at the last one, John, but I got your number and I'm going to stalk you. Just let you know, buddy. But he's in line for the next baptism. There are people in here that have not made that decision. Now, listen, the last thing in the world is for any church to put a guilt trip on you about where you're not at or you are at or whatever. But as your pastor, I want to invite you into the process. The baptism is not your salvation experience. Baptism is an outward expression of obedience because of an inward decision and relationship you have made. Are you with me on this? And I also want to tell you this, that for my wife and I, each of us, we had made a decision because of changes in our life, our relationships with the Lord, and we had been baptized before. I'd been sprinkled in a little church years and years before, but I wasn't the same man, and that baptism for me wasn't what I needed or wanted, and I Billy and I talked about it, and we were in the same place. So I don't know where you're at, and I don't want to belabor this, but I do want to invite you into this process and say, if you would consider, if you need to consider that, please go to our next steps. It's such a powerful, it's a powerful part of the life. And I know for me it was life-changing. I think for some others it was too in that process. And so I'm constantly reminded it's a generation. He's a generational God. Now, when we look at this thing with spiritual application, the how becomes very important. And now part of this in this journey, and I'm going to kind of give you a plug right here in the middle, and we probably have a slide on this. We've got one more week in this becoming, and I'm excited about that because it's spiritual reproducing. But we're going to go into my favorite season of the year, this season that we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and what He did for us. And let me tell you at Summit Church, I'm going to give you a sneak preview on this, okay? And that is, we've, we've looked at this as a team. We've looked at this with our elders, and we're going, you know, yeah, Easter, the one day is important, but we've got Palm Sunday. We've got Good Friday. We've got Easter. And I don't know about you, but that week after, do you know it's one of the lowest attended Sundays of all Sundays in church? We want to change that because we want to carry this through and we want to have this whole series that we're doing which we're going to focus on encountering the cross that every day, every one of us needs that encounter you know moses had it with a burning bush you know what i'm saying but i believe one of the most encounter, important encounters you can have is with the cross and the fact that jesus isn't there anymore Jesus came off that cross, was buried, and three days later, you know, He descended, ascended, and rose, and it's going to be a great time for us in that. But I want to to invite you into the process there because what we're going to do is over those three Sundays, the very first one, as we talk about Palm Sunday, you know, we're going to focus on the cross. That's what we're going to do. But on Palm Sunday, it's going to be discover the hope of the cross. I'll come back to the Friday, the journey to the cross, on Easter, we're going to talk about embracing the power of the cross. And the following week, we want to experience the grace of the cross. And then on the Friday, I know it's customary that in many churches you have a service and so forth. Our service is going to be a little different. And the reason I'm telling you all of this is I want to give you a jump to say, boy, I've got people that need to be here. Not because we're doing a headcount, please understand, not because we want our numbers to say, gee whiz, look what we did. That's not it at all. We want to create a safe place for people to encounter the living God, Jesus Christ, and encounter the cross that he paid such a price for us. So on Friday night, our service is going to be simply this. It's going to be journey to the cross. And throughout this sanctuary, there's going to be stations I'll tell you, it's not a secret. One of them is going to be the crown of many thorns, one of them will be the cross. One of them is going to be the spear the centurion used. One of them is going to be the cat of nine tails that was used, similar thing, to scourge Jesus Christ. There'll be a chance to take communion. But whether you're single here, whether you're here as a family, none of that matters. You're going to have a booklet that's going to guide you through and self-guided process for you to encounter what Jesus went through on the journey to the cross and that. Next week, there's a book by a great friend. You've heard me refer to this. It's called Encounters at the Cross, and it's 12 of the stories, and they're going to be available. Let me just tell you before, they'll have a price on them. If that price works for you, then that'll work for us. If a lesser price works for you, you know, $4.37, I don't know. It doesn't matter. That price works. And if you come in and it's just inconvenient, you'll be welcome to take any resource that we have, because this church, Summit Church, wants to equip you to grow in your faith, and it's one more opportunity for you to take something, and it gives you something on those other days that end in Y other than Sunday with that, and we want to help you with that. By the way, it's 12 stories that he wrote in the first person as if he was that person. My favorite story out of this is a centurion, and I'll just share that with you sometime probably in the future. So keep that in mind as we go through this. Now let's look at this issue of application, because we've got to get this thing right. When we look at the application, remember what I said, the truth, we start with that. There are three types of application on this, and that is simply this. We've got the historical application, we have a doctrinal application, and we have a personal application. And they go in that order, because if you don't start with the historical application of understanding that everything written in this word. This book right here is God's word for us. It is true. It is real. It is historically accurate. We've got to know that because if we don't know that, what do you place your doctrine on? It's got to be the things of the world, doesn't it? I mean, you've got to say it's a good book and it's fun to read, but you know, Dr. Zeus was fun to read, but I don't place my doctrine on Dr. Zeus. Do you understand? So we've got to get the historical aspect first, that this book is absolutely true. When God says there was a flood, I'm crazy enough to believe him. That's just me. But the historical accuracy of this, I'll tell you, when you get that thing right, I had a good friend, and uh, he was making a very difficult decision to leave a position that if he'd have stayed a little bit longer, his retirement rewards, I guess, would have been a lot more. And God was calling him into a vocational ministry position. And... He was thinking, boy, how do I tell my wife this? You know, because men, we just kind of get crazy. Women actually have this thing called security going. I don't know where that happens because it doesn't work with me. But in any event, so he tells his wife. And you know what her comment was? Well, Nineveh was a bad place, but it sure beat the belly of a whale. Some of you, Jonah, ended up in the belly of a whale because God told him to go to Nineveh and he chose not to. So he ends up in the belly of a whale she believes it to be true. Guess what? So do I. Don't know how God does some of this stuff? It's not for me to question. But we've got to get the historical accuracy of this. We've got to be students of the Word, okay? The second thing on this is, is that the doctrinal piece. The doctrinal piece is simply this, okay? If we don't get that right, the doctrinal piece that we look at on this is, it's a set of beliefs that we determine how we're going to live our life based on what we choose to be the truth. That's what your doctrine is. It's the set of beliefs that you hold that's going to guide your life to make the decisions and it starts with what you first believe is true. I don't want to go to work tomorrow, that person hates me. When you have that truth, it changes everything about what your doctrine is, about what you're going to do at work, whether you'll even show up. Every one of us has these truths that we've established. But you know what? If the truth that we've established doesn't start with the Word of God, we've missed out completely right from the very beginning. Because that Word of God, that truth there is going to determine our doctrine. It's going to determine our set of beliefs right? And part, part of the problem is, is when we do not take this as truth, we take this as just a nice book, then we can often look in here and I, I love it when somebody cherry picks, we call it one scripture. Well, you know, God doesn't really say anything about that and goes on with that. And I'm going, are you kidding? Have you read the whole book? There's a lot more to it. In fact, 66 books and they put it into one for us But we've got to have this part right right here because when we get that right then we get to the personal application And what is the purple application? How do we apply God's word to our lives where we live work and play? How does it determine who you'll date who you'll marry? How does God's word determine how you're going to respond to your neighbor How does God's word determine how you're going to do? And we could go right down through everything on the list, couldn't we? But it comes back to, well, we gotta get this right. Right here is God's word. It is the truth, it's a living truth. That determines your set of values. This truth determines what your beliefs are and your set of values. And as a nation, I think we're in real trouble. Has God taken his hand off this nation? That's another issue. But here's what I know. Everything in this nation started with the people of this nation. If there's going to be change in this nation, if there's going to be change in our families, if there's going to be change in, it's got to start with us. It's not somebody else's problem. It's not somebody else's issue. It's the fact that we've got to take responsibility for our faith to move forward for God to, remember last week, we talk about reform. He's got to reshape us based on the truth. And we got to know that was a lie. What I believed over here was an absolute lie, and God's got a better truth for it. Because I will tell you this, for every lie in the world, God's got a better truth for it. It's just that simple. For every lie in the world. And you know why the lie was created, by the way? Because there was a truth, and the lie is to take us away from that truth. And we've got to come back to the truth, the Word of God, and why we exist in that process. So how do we do this? Well... We come back to our personal application, we have to know the Word of God. We have to come together. We've talked about this, knowing Jesus Christ, those things of being obedient, right? The decision about baptism, if that applies to you, you'll know, and here's the thing, God will confirm it in your heart. God will confirm it in your heart, just on those issues there. But here's the other things that we've got. Growth track is so important so important because it helps us to understand who we are at this church, why we're here. What are those doctrinal foundations? What are the truths that we believe to line up with, but it also helps you identify your gifts and that. And remember this, this isn't, and I've been in churches where it just feels like everything is just line them up. We just need more to serve here. We need more to serve here. And just could you recruit more people and that's not what it's about. You heard the announcement with Tyler. Oh my gosh. I'm so proud of this man, and I'm so excited for him and Casey. I'm so excited for those little girls in that Christian school. Do we hate like the Dickens for him to go? But when you see it in the Big C church, and you know that's an extension of Summit Church, what God has done with him here, and look, I got to tell you, we've had, he and I've had conversations. Casey and I've had conversations with Billy. Not an easy decision. They love you, they love this church. But here's the truth, here's the truth. There is a God, God expects a man to raise his family in a godly way in the midst of everything else. Regardless, Tyler said, this is about my girls, him and Casey, where we will raise our girls in the best Christian environment in a Christian school. And he did that, and he made a very difficult decision. But but that was because of the truth. The growth track we've talked about, our community groups. And here's the deal. The final part of this is simply, wherever you're at, it's okay. Wherever you're at may be different than where anybody else is at here. It's okay. Because you're here today you're seeking, God brought you here. If you're watching us online, you're no different than if you were sitting here. But understand this, it's not about the destination once you've made the decision about your eternal life. Oh no, you know what the rest of this is all about? How are we going to live out as fully devoted, spiritually maturing, reproducing followers of Jesus Christ? That's what it's about. That's what we're called to. That's what says, what God says, we're to becoming that. And what a great journey that it is. What a great adventure it is to be on. And I'll just tell you, as your pastor here, I am so honored and so blessed to be here with you. I'm so honored and blessed to look at people that I call my friends and my family. And thank you for allowing me to be on this journey with you But I will say this, since we're here today, you know what I know to be a truth? God is not done with this. He's not done with us. Let's get this party started. There's a great adventure for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we love you, Father. You woke us all up this morning. You brought us here. You have our dream team serving. You've got people that are seeking you. They're wanting answers, Father. You're the answer giver through the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, that we would be this safe place, regardless of where anybody's at on their journey. May we represent you well, Father. May we represent you well. May we wake up in the morning and say, Father, use me for your glory. Use me, Father, for your kingdom. And Father, may we give you all of the praise and the honor and the glory And all of this we ask in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and all of God's family said, Amen. Amen. At Summit Church, we have multiple ways to respond on several occasions. I've told you, never want to get infatuated with the word you hear. The most important thing you're going to do is, what are you going to do with what God is saying to you? That's the real question, because everything that we talk about is obedience, isn't it? We have the cross there. There's hammer and nails there, and there's some nails on there, I think. But you know, on that cross, Jesus breathed his last breath and said it is finished. And he finished a lot of things that we're still carrying. And maybe there's some things you need prayer for there. On each side, we have an incredible prayer team that are there to pray, whether you wanna stand there or sit in a chair with them. And there's communion available on each side. So I'm gonna invite you to do this. As our worship team now helps us to respond, I'm going to ask you to stand with us, please, as they start to lead us into this time of response through worship. But I'm also going to invite you, whatever God tells you to do, whether it's take communion, ask for prayer, post something, whatever it is, I know this, the most important step you're going to take is the step in obedience to follow what God has placed on your heart. God bless you.